If you're a Christian coach, speaker, or influencer, this is the right place. You're listening to the Keep Writing Podcast, a resource for biblical encouragement, spirit-led wisdom, and practical ideas as you answer God's calling to increase your authority by becoming an author. I'm Nika Maples, and I can help you write your next book so that you can take your business to the next level while advancing the kingdom and transforming people in Jesus' name. This is episode 133, Take Authority Over Rejection. Today's episode is a peek inside a coaching call from my exclusive coaching membership, Anointed Writers. If you've been feeling afraid of rejection, maybe it's because you haven't yet taken authority over it. And by the way, you really can. So no is the only thing that holds us back. And that is not only the, someone saying no to us will never hold us back. Because if somebody says no to us, we can always go around it. We can always go over it. We can always go under it. We can always bust through it with the Holy Spirit's power. There are all kinds of options on the other side of no. But if we never get near to no because we're so afraid of it, we're so afraid of rejection, then we're telling ourselves no in advance. Then no is holding us back because it's the fear of no that's holding us back. And that I would tell you is most commonly what I encounter with new writers because they, they aren't quite sure they'll be able to survive it. I'm sitting here telling you today, you will be able to survive a no if you experience a no. And there are all kinds of ways that no's are displayed to us. Sometimes it's a flat out, no, no, we do not need a speaker for this event. No, you are not a right fit for this podcast. No, we do not want to publish your book at this time. No can take all kinds of form. Sometimes you get a no even after the book is published. That's what today's lesson is about. You may not realize that you can get a no even after a book is published. And here is my piece of advice about that. Either before a rejection, I mean, before your book is published, if you're afraid of rejection, or if you get a rejection after your book is published, what will you make that mean? So I want you to, you may jot down on a piece of paper. I think it might help us all if you put it in the chat. Right now, what if you have a general fear of rejection, what does rejection mean to you? What does it mean about you? Take about 60 seconds to think about that. If you're someone who writes in the chat, go ahead. If you're somebody who wants to jot it down. Currently, what is what are you making rejection mean? I'm not good enough, Corey says. I'm not good enough, Deanna says. Same as Corey. So I'm not good enough as a general theme. So it sounds like a common one is rejection would mean right now. I'm not good enough. What I have to say is not what people need to hear or what God told me to say. I'm wrong. Pam says it's not a fit for the venue is how I'd like to like to receive it. Okay. So we can make rejection mean all kinds of things. I'll tell you that now what I make rejection mean is, oh, 
I was supposed to go another way. A long time ago, rejection meant I'm not good enough. A long time ago, rejection meant this is not a good fit or I'm not a, I'm not what people need. But now it's just, oh, I'm supposed to go another way. Because I realized how much rejection I would have to face in the life of a writer, both before the book is published and after. So here's a recent, I'm going to share this. I thought about this a lot and I just felt compelled to share it here. So several new students came in this summer and one new student who came in this summer has written me a lot of emails, like almost every day. It's been 11 days since that person joined the course. And during those 11 days, they've written me at least one email a day. And those emails were unkind. They said things like very bold things like, who do you think you are making a course like this? Things, one, one of them said, I think this course is sleazy. One of them said, and, and I kept trying to redirect it. I kept, because I, because I desire to give a high quality experience to every student and to give them exactly what they, that will help them the most. I, when she started in on, I think this course has some sle- a sleazy quality to it. I was like, what can I do to make your experience better? Oh, she misunderstood something. So I clarified that. Okay, so I clarified that. We're good. Then the next email came in. You don't really care about your students. You're like a drug dealer. The words, you're like a drug dealer. (laughs) I was like, what? They said, a drug dealer only cares about making money and doesn't care about the outcome of what they're selling. Thought That could not be further from the truth. On and on these emails went, I, those, the, the sleazy part and you're like a drug dealer were the, the main things that stood out. I could go back and read the content of some of the others, but all of them are kind of shocking. The, and all of them had in, at their core, accusation, misunderstanding and accusation. Well, at first, here I am, like really trying to change, change that person's mind. I'm really trying to change that person's mind. I'm trying to overperform. And it's not because I thought it was not good enough. I thought it was perhaps that she was right in some way. Like maybe there's just a misunderstanding. Let me clarify. Let me offer you more. And I woke up to on Saturday morning to another email that was more cutting than the others had been. And I said, Lord, am I, am I supposed to keep going in this direction of trying to please this person? And I felt the Lord say clearly, and I want to tell you too, that when I started this course a year ago, last June, I just thought I was offering a simple class. And I just thought, you know, if people get some good out of it, maybe they will, maybe they won't. I did not expect how the Lord was going to bring people from around the world and like really connect them and uplift one another that I would, I never expected that I would be friends with people that I was meeting online. I never expected that they would become friends with one another. I didn't expect any of this, that it would feel like a family or like a little flock. So suddenly I was taking this pastoral role of feeling very protective of you. And I didn't even realize it was happening until I got that email this Saturday. And when I said, Lord, should I keep trying to please this person? 
if she seems like she can't be pleased, I, but I'm doing my best. How, why am I not enough? Why is this not good enough? I'm, I'm offering everything I know to offer. And I heard the Lord say, if, if they will take a swing at the shepherd, it's only a matter of time until they take a swing at the sheep. And I knew instantly it was not worth another moment of my time to jeopardize you because I thought, if this person is this bold with me, and when I think about the way that I would interact with somebody who was teaching me, if I had questions, and even if I had some criticism, I would be so respectful in writing that email with some criticism. And I, but there was nothing that built me up in those 11 emails. It wasn't like, I, I want to build you up in this way and tell you that I'm seeing this that maybe needs to be corrected in your course. All of it was meant to tear down. And when I thought about, I could, I'm standing in your way. Like I'm going to stand in between that person and you. And I said, I'm sorry, we're no longer a good fit to work together. And I'll give you a full refund for the amount of time that you've spent in the course. Let's think about rejection for a moment. Do we feel the same way about that person's rejection? Look at that person's rejection of me. Now, you know me. Those of you who have been with me for one month, those of you who have been with me for six months, those of you who have been with me for 12 months, so many different time levels in this, in this group, and still, you know me. And when you hear the rejection that somebody leveled at me, do you agree with it? I know you, I know you don't, because I know the responses that you give. Why would we ever agree instantaneously agree with somebody's rejection of you. I want you to think the reason I wanted to share this moment is because I wanted you to hear that there are times when somebody levels something at you, brings an accusation, brings a rejection, that it does not mean that I'm not good enough. Because she had this evaluation of me and she had this evaluation of my course, it does not mean that I am not good enough. We all know that. We could easily recognize it. I need you to see the same is true of you. The same is true. So what I have analyzed about this, this story, and I have countless stories of rejection after the fact, like rejection in my book where people said, in fact, jot this down on your notes. I would love for you to go in the members area in the, on the website, the members area of the course. If you go to the second page at the bottom of all the modules, there's the spot that says coaching replays. And then there's the coach that the spot that says how to be coached. And I have one recording in there. I'm hoping to put a few others where I, cause I think coaching helps me. And I put in there a time where I recorded where a coach was helping me and I talk about a rejection that came from someone important to me. And that I want you to see how the coach walked me through it. But so you that's something that you can go back and look at on your own time later. But I, I wanted you to know that there's no point where you will not have rejection. If we are writing because we're thinking, well, one day I'll have I'll have this published and finally I won't have to face rejection anymore. It's not true. You will always face it. There will always be Amazon reviews that are negative. And if you obsess about a one-star review and you totally ignore the other three, four, and five-star reviews, what are you making that one-star mean? 
why is it so important? No one will ever have no one stars. They all get one stars. I, I love to ask for feedback about anything that I create. And there are always people that come back with, this wasn't that great for me. I'm, I'm always a little surprised because I'm like, well, I wanted it to be great for you. But it wasn't. I'm not going to make it mean that I'm not good enough. I make it mean, oh, I was supposed to go another way. In, in part, I ask myself, could I do something different or better? Maybe. Maybe there are ways that I could do things different or better with this course. Because in every rejection, there's a nugget, maybe a tiny, tiny nugget that you could accept. I reject most of what that person said, but I'm spending time thinking, I wonder if there are, like if there's a, a nugget that I'd be willing to accept responsibility for and say, yeah, you know, she overstated it, but this part I can work on. And I will. So I have found three scriptures today that I think prove that we have authority over rejection, meaning that we don't have to accept it for face value. We get to say, wait, here and no further. I will not accept that rejection as meaning anything detrimental to me. Or maybe there's a nugget in here that I will think about and apply. That's what it means to have authority over rejection. Because if we just accept a rejection, who qualifies a person to say what they say? Who qualifies them in the first place? Okay, if all of the people in this room right now, the nine people in this this classroom right now, if all of you gave me a, a feedback and a report, a recommendation, whatever about the course, evaluation, and then she did, you know that most people, I could get nine positive responses from you guys and then one from her that's extremely negative. And what am I going to spend my time thinking about? The nine or the one? We all know what I would spend the time thinking about because I guarantee you, you would often think about the one negative comment when you have nine other positive comments to dwell on. Cindy says... And then family members and church staff, negative comments hurt more than anyone else. Oh, absolutely. The, the closer you are, the more the wound hurts. Absolutely. But even so, we can magnify one over other positive comments that we've received. So these three scriptures today really meant a lot to me. And I have them pulled up here so that I can refer to them. Yeah. So I, I want to say first that for the, those of us who make rejection mean that I'm not good enough, I just want to say one thing that may set you free from that thought. Because Jesus, we all know he was good enough. He was absolutely perfect. There was no way for Jesus to be better than he was. <laughs> He like good enough doesn't even come into the same atmosphere as Jesus because he's perfect. And we know that. But then look at this verse in John 15, 18. John 15, 18 says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. 
when we read that, and you can substitute the word rejection for hate, and I'm sure there are probably, that's from the New International Version, I'm sure there are probably, in fact, I'm just going to go straight to NLT and see. That uses hate. But there's probably a translation out there that uses rejection. Keep in mind, keep in mind, ladies, if the, wor- if the world rejects you, it rejected Jesus first. So it's not even feasible that you're not good enough. Because if it can reject someone who's absolutely perfect, then it's just going to reject. I mean, the world is just going to reject at times. God accepts the world rejects. That's just, that's just the way it goes. So you don't have to make rejection mean that you're not good enough. Keep in mind, Jesus says, keep in mind, I was perfect and it rejected me. So it can't mean that you're not good enough. And then, so my, my point on that is some people, sometimes people refuse to be satisfied. So if the world is rejecting you, sometimes people refuse to be satisfied. Like a a friend of mine wrote a 12-week devotional and somebody who wrote a negative review was like, shouldn't it have maybe been like 15 weeks? I'm like, what? What are you talking about? 15, 12, who cares? It's good the way it is. Why would you, if you, you go write a 15-week devotional book. I mean, some people refuse to be satisfied and the world's just going to reject. They're just going to reject. Okay. So sometimes the second point I like to make is sometimes it's not even about you. I give some room. I give some margin to some rejection to let it be about them because we all know there are certain times when we reacted to something and it's like later we look back and say, I wasn't really even that upset about that. I made a big deal. I maybe publicly complained. It wasn't even that big of a deal. Sometimes it's not about you. It's about them. And you got to leave the space and the margin for the Holy Spirit to work on them. The, The scripture that I found that really supports this is Luke 10, 16. Luke 10, 16 says, whoever listens to you, listens to me. And whoever rejects you, rejects me, but whoever rejects me, rejects him who sent me. Okay. I feel like I need to show this to you on the screen because it's so wonky and complicated to, to hear. So now you can see my Bible gateway where I've looked it up. Luke 10, 16, whoever listens to you, listens to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me, but Whoever rejects me really rejects him who sent me. So even Jesus is letting the rejection bounce off him and go to the Father. So he's saying to you, let the rejection bounce off you because sometimes it's not about you. It's about me. Like if they don't like your kingdom focus book, could be like because they don't like the kingdom. It's not about you. (laughs) It could be about me. It's my kingdom. I set the rules of the kingdom. I set the expectations of the kingdom. I set everything about the kingdom and they just don't like that. So it's really about me, but it feels like they're rejecting you, but let it bounce off you. It's really me they're rejecting. And then he's like, and by the way, by the way, it's almost like that comma, but there 
in in that verse is a by the way, I even let it bounce off me because I know it's not even really about me. It's about the father. So if we could picture a pinball machine and the rejection that that we feel is like, it wasn't really about me. It was really about Jesus. It wasn't really about him. It was about Jehovah God. It was about our father who came up with the plan. There are people all the time who even just get upset about the fact that Jesus is the only way. Well, that's not about Jesus. That's about, they're mad at God for deciding that. They're not even, Jesus didn't even decide that on his own. The, God the Father decided that. So I just wanted to point this verse out because it's not one that's quoted often, but it's one that's very helpful. So we've, we've talked about that some people refuse to be satisfied that means you can't be good enough. Jesus was perfect, and even he experienced rejection. Sometimes it's not about you. You just let it ping pong off me. I mean, ping pong off you. Jesus says, I let it ping pong off me. Go, Let it go to the Father. Then they give them margin. Give that person who's rejected margin for the Holy Spirit to speak to them. I always say, the Holy Spirit would be able to speak to a lot more people if we would stop interrupting. Like I I can think of a few people. I'm like, Lord, I'm going to need you to talk to them. I'm going to need you to talk to them this weekend. And I will try my hardest not to interrupt and bring up a few things that I think need to be brought up. I'll let you bring it up and give margin to those people that are close to you, those church members, those family members, Just let the room be quiet. Let your own mind be quiet and be like, I don't need to bring this up. The Holy Spirit's going to speak to him. I don't want to interrupt. He will hear the Holy Spirit in a different way than he will hear me. She will hear the Holy Spirit in a different way than she will hear me. If I will be quiet long enough for them to have a conversation without me. Okay, so... Let's go to the third point I want to make. To have authority over rejection, sometimes it is about you, and you can just make it mean what you want it to mean. When the Bible says iron sharpens iron, of course, those irons are people. And it's not, we love to think, oh, that must be like this lovey-dovey mentoring relationship where an iron is sharpening an iron. Sometimes. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's that person who grates on you that is sharpening you. It's like, that's the sound of an iron sharpening an iron. I mean, it's like painful to your ears to hear an iron sharpening an iron. And so I think we have kind of like comfortized, I'm making up my own word here. We have comfortized that verse to mean what we want it to mean. We want it to mean like, I will choose my accountability group so that iron can sharpen iron. And the Lord's like, well, that sounds like soft things that you're hoping will sharpen you. Maybe, maybe not. Sometimes it's that grading person it, it, and the rejection it is about you, but you can make it mean what you want it to mean and let it sharpen you. Let it sharpen you. Let it be for your good. Let it be for your blessing. So when I receive rejection, I say, this is for my good. This is for my blessing. 
The Lord will speak to me through this. The nugget that I accept here will be a nugget that blesses me because all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Even that rejection, even that criticism, even that hurtful comment, I will take that and make it for my good. The Lord will if I allow him. So the the verse that I really felt like was a blessing in this area, whoo, and this is what started me down this trail. I'll share my screen again. When I read this verse this weekend, I knew it was what God was saying to me about the rejection I had just experienced from some somebody. This is Isaiah 54, 16 through 17. I have created the blacksmith who fans the coals beneath the forge and makes the weapons of destruction. And I have created the armies that destroy. But in that coming day, no weapon turned against you will succeed. You will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. These benefits are enjoyed by the servants of the Lord. Their vindication will come from me. I, the Lord, have spoken. We are not to expect a life free from rejection. It is not to be expected. We will be disappointed if we think there's a way to avoid it. There's no way to avoid it. Here's what we know. Every sword that comes toward us will be turned around. And it's one more weapon in your hand. Why you look at me and you see someone who is so strong it is because I have a collection of swords that I have turned around. People have come at me and I just say, no weapon forged against me will be able to prosper. It doesn't mean that I'm like batting away these. It doesn't mean I'm juking and jiving and trying to run to avoid rejection. And it doesn't mean that I'm afraid of it. It doesn't mean that I'm batting away these weapons. I'm saying even in rejection, God makes it good for me. Even in rejection, this iron that you're pointing at me will serve a purpose. This iron that you're pointing at me will be used to sharpen me and make me better. And then the Holy Spirit will be the one to turn it around and put it in my hand. I'll no longer be afraid of the thing that he conquered, that I watch him conquer. I will no longer be afraid of that thing, see? So that's when we see no weapon turned against you will succeed. You will turn it around. You will silence every voice that accuses you. And that doesn't mean that that people can't criticize me. And that doesn't mean that people can't criticize you. Constructive criticism is a blessing and I welcome it. But when you see that someone can't even build you up in their criticism, you, you, you listen closely and you say, stop. If you can't build me up in your criticism, then is it really helpful? I don't know. Your vindication will come from the Lord. You can trust him in that. You can trust him no matter who brought the accusing word. Realize that sometimes people refuse to be satisfied. You can't be good enough. It's okay. Sometimes it's not about you. You leave the margin for the Holy Spirit to speak. And sometimes it is about you. And that's okay. You can make it mean what whatever you want it to mean. I would like for you to write this down. After you hear all this, is the Holy Spirit saying anything to you? What would he 
like you to make rejection mean. Jot down, I'm going to give you like one minute just to jot down a thought of like, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? What are you going to make rejection mean from now? Are you subscribed to my YouTube channel yet? I love creating weekly lessons that will bring value and insight to you about your writing, publishing, and book marketing journey. When you listen to my podcast, you learn through your ears. But when you watch my YouTube channel, you learn through your eyes and ears, making double the impact in half the time. See you over on YouTube.